what's up, everybody, and welcome back to For Real, your podcast about documentaries. I'm Special K. I'm Matt. What is up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing just fine. We're uh, still in quarantine over here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wife is, you know, she's kind of up and down. You know, I don't want to sound dramatic, but if she was a dog, I would have already put her down uh, (laughs) two days ago. But she seems to be on the uh, upward swing. She's uh, she's moving around a little bit. She's basically spent the last three days in bed. She's got headaches, chills, coughing, all the stuff that you can associate with the dreaded COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, she took the vaccine, so she's she's not experiencing a lot of the symptoms that other people are. She doesn't have a fever. Her coughing seems to be more of a result of of a sinus thing going on than anything else. I mean, she's she's doing all right. Okay. All right. Well, um, well, that's good to hear. I'm, uh, I'm out here enjoying the world. Like I had a, uh, um, went for a walk earlier. That was nice. So I had a mango nata for dessert tonight. Have you ever had one of those before? I don't, I don't assume you would have since you like plain chicken wings. Um, I've never even, I've never even heard of whatever you just said. Okay. It's a, uh, I don't know if it's uh, traditionally a Mexican dessert, um, but it's, I think it's definitely uh, more associated with that type of cuisine. It's like a mango, I want to say ice cream, but there's no cream. There's no milk component. It's just like frozen slushy mango. But it's not really slushy. It's more firm. It's hard to explain. It's like a mango ice cream, like a sorbet, I guess. I don't know. And uh, what they do is they take uh, that and then they traditionally they mix it with a thing called chamoy. It's like a... Um, it's like a syrup, but it's got like, it's like spicy, like a spicy syrup, like a chili syrup. And then they put uh, tahine on it, which is like, um, I don't know if it's got like salt and chili pepper and I think sugar, like mixture. It's like a powder kind of thing. And uh, anyway, it's really good. I don't get it with the chamoy though. I don't like the sauce. So I get it just with the powder, like the, the tahine. And I like the amount of like fresh mangoes chopped up on it too. So it's yes. uh, super refreshing. It's like a sweet, spicy, salty kind of thing. Well, I don't know if uh, I can comment on that due to my my slip up last podcast regarding the day laborers thing and how I was accused of uh, being a little on the racist side, which, by the way, guys, I'm not. (laughs) Um, But it all I mean, I think most of the words you just used were Spanish words, I'm assuming. Uh, I mean, that's what it's called. I don't know. I mean, that's what the name of the stuff is. I, I, so I assume it'd be a some sort of Spanish snack, as you suggested. So yeah, it's like a Mexican yeah. dessert. Yeah, but uh, I'm not like I said, I'm not into spice. So I'm nice. all about frozen frozen fruits. That's good, but uh, spice and a frozen fruit just sounds. Well, listen. I mean, it's awful. honestly, it's it is worth just like the mango, the base to it is like it's worth it just to have that. Like even if you got it with no spice, no tahini, no chamoy, nothing. It's just it's like the most refreshing. Uh, frozen treat. I'm not wow. even sure I'm a mango guy. Like I don't. Oh my god, dude. I, I I honestly I'm just I'm just racking my brain right now for when the when I too much eat mango too, too much but, flavor too much flavor for you. I honestly don't think I can recall what a mango tastes like. Holy shit, dude! Mango is the is hands down it's the best fruit. I mean, it's not even close. You can't beat kiwi. Oh yeah, kiwi's close. No, mango's even better than kiwi. I'm not, you shut your whore mouth. Yeah, can't, yeah, because kiwi got to deal with that furry outside. You, pe- um, you peel, you peel it like an orange. You, you're telling me you peel a kiwi with your hands. 
No, I, I slice it in half and scoop out the inside of the spoon. It's okay. But is that how you peel an orange, Matt? Yes. Yes, it is. You cut it in half and scoop it out with a spoon. No, I'm, I'm just. Yeah, exactly. Don't try to double down on me, asshole. You know, you <laughs> fucked up there. Everybody peels an orange like you do with a finger, you know, you peel it off. Honestly, most of the time with oranges, I'd rather just slice it into, into little slices and eat the inside like that than deal with the whole oh, yeah. peeling thing. That's yeah, that, just okay. Okay. That is easier. Work. Yeah. That is easier. That is easier. Like, who am I trying to impress here? Seriously. Yeah, it's true. I, 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 I haven't worn real clothes in like four days. So, you know, I, I, I spend all day. Honestly, I went through three outfits today. My kid lures me outside. Like, hey, dad, come look at this. Hey, dad, come out here and help me with something real quick. And then she attacks me with water. And I just, <laughs> we end up having like an hour long water fight with what we use water balloons, water hoses. Uh, at one point, when she wasn't paying attention, I just dumped a full thing of water over her head. It was like a big bucket, just, <laughs> just soaked her. And uh, that's basically what we've been doing for the last few days. And we took apart my man cave so that we can make a fort. We've been, we've been, we've been, we've been living it up over here. We had, we had fancy dress. The other day, we uh, dressed up a little fancy. I got my tuxedo. She got in a nice dress. And we sat down, had some pizza. It was uh, it's all been it's all been very exciting. I'm a lot of FaceTime with my kid most of the time, so I'm uh, choosing to think of this as a opportunity. Although I'm going to be honest with you, uh, you don't have any kids, so I can't. Uh, so you, you don't have any reference for this, dude. My kid is wearing me out. I got I, I I was just falling asleep right now, waiting waiting for this podcast to kick on. I dozed off for like 15 minutes and I woke up I'm like, oh shit, what time is it? He's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm glad. I'm glad looking at the, the, the bright side of things over there. That's good. Take Making the best of the situation. Or yeah, shitty yeah. situation. But um, so we're going to just to listen. We're going to forego the correction section for this episode. This is a matter of housekeeping. Our um, editor has uh, really been shirking his duties lately. Uh, I, I hear it's because he's spending all his time eating mangoes. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If we're filming these pretty close together, so the last episode isn't done yet. So we don't have a correction. We don't. We don't have an episode to base the correction section on. Yeah, so we'll have to do like a beefed up one for the next one or whatever. But for this one, we're gonna. Um, so yeah, so this so we're gonna skip the correction section. So we'll get right into this week's episode. Uh, we are finishing up our part three of Netflix's docu series Heist. Uh, today we are covering the last two episodes, uh, which would be episodes five and six, titled "The Bourbon King," uh, part one and part two, respectively. Uh, so the synopsis on IMDb here is that in 1999, family man Toby Kurtzinger enlists his pals in a scheme to steal the world's most expensive bourbon and triggers a media-savvy investigation. So they start this thing out by introducing you to this Toby guy, Toby Kurtzinger. And he really seems like just a, a good old boy. And he starts out with explaining how like this takes place in Frankfort, Kentucky. Uh, and he's describing like how he loves Kentucky. He loves Frankfort. And he says, he makes this comment about I guess like what he believes the uh, the public perception of like outsiders from Kentucky uh, is of Kentucky, and he says that uh, Kentucky is a such and such and such with teeth missing. Now I know Kentucky's part of the South, and I know that's like where whiskey and stuff comes from, but I don't 
being a northerner, I know we we don't really slam our southern brethren, but I would now, disagree. Listen, we poke fun. Um, they poke, they poke fun at us too. I'm sure there's southern podcasts who make fun of us damn Yankees. And I'm sure the coast podcast make fun of us Midwesterners and we make fun of the coast and vice versa. So anyway, I, I don't see Kentucky as being like one of those like rural southern hillbilly states. Do you? Well, I, I think, okay, so uh, Kentucky tends to get more of a pass. I think it's like a, a, like a soft southern, you know, like it's, it's, not, it's not quite deep south enough for – Yankees to start poking fun at. I think it's just a little too close for comfort. They're more like our, uh, more like a second cousin than, you know, out of the family. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. I, I, I mean, look, I, uh, listen, I, I don't, I don't want to be like, uh, I can say that because, you know, I have a friend that's X, Y, or Z. I have some family from West Virginia and I have family from Tennessee. So I have family from the South. So I have Southern blood. Um, there's a reason I didn't like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can I can make some of these these comments. So I don't I don't see Kentucky as being like a real Southern like he says like teeth missing. I don't really think of like Kentucky like that. Like West Virginia, yeah. Alabama, yeah. Mississippi, sure. But other, I mean, I mean, you know, I don't know. Um, I I worked a lot of Southerners. Or I was I was stationed a lot of Southerners. Some of them I consider brothers. I have, I have God kids that are Southerners. I mean, it's all, it, it is what it is. I mean, we all give each other shit equally. They, uh, they call me that, that libtard Yankee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I call them Republicans and make fun of their accents. And it's, it's all good fun. We all love each other, but uh, it's definitely different cultures. I think is, 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 is what Kay is getting at. Mm-hmm. My favorite term is um, y'all Kata especially after the insurrection. That's my favorite term for like Y'all, Y'Al-Qaeda? Y'Al-Qaeda, yeah. What does that mean? Like, like Al-Qaeda? Oh. Y'Al-Qaeda? <laughs> I've never and then, heard that. And then I don't know if... Like, yeah. this, is, this, is fuck, <laughs> this is fucked up. And this I'm not trying to make fun of like the opioid crisis or anything. <laughs> I remember hearing... I remember... Like, I read an article about some drug company, some, you know, company that makes opioids and whatever. And some internal emails leaked or like got released as part of like a court like a you know because they're getting sued for basically addicting you know half the country on opioids and internally in their emails they refer to people from west virginia as pill billies <laughs> which is cold as hell but damn that's funny jesus yeah pill billies i thought that was pretty that's, funny that's rough yeah 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 uh, uh so when, when, when Toby here and they're talking about Kentucky, it's kind of like a good old boy, good old boy state. And there's like a, there's this, un, he says there's written laws and people follow laws, but then there's also unwritten laws. And the one, an unwritten law is just because it's illegal doesn't mean I won't do it. And that man, is, is there a more American thing to say than that? No. I mean, and I, you know, I agree. We with love, you. we love our laws, man. We love breaking them. Don't we? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I agree with that. Like I said, I think a lot of laws are stupid. I think a lot of them don't make sense. They're made by people that are so far removed from the human condition that they've got no right to be enforcing laws on anybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they're stupid. I mean, I, I, there's just there's just so much. I feel like a lot of them are just, like I said, I mean, as we obviously have learned, they target minorities 
and they target poor communities. And I mean, it's just stupid stuff. Like, I mean, okay. Yeah. It's just, it's just a bunch of nonsense. So yeah, I, I understand that. I mean, I wouldn't consider stealing to be one of those flexible laws personally. <laughs> you don't mean stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from your employer is a, <laughs> is one of those morally flexible things. Yeah. And then another thing here, they introduced the very beginning, cause they're just kind of laying out how like, you know, whiskey and bourbon and stuff. It's just part of the culture there. It's like everybody drinks it. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody just knows how, how it's made. Like it's just part of, it's, like it's, in the, it's in the water there. It's in their blood there. I think they literally said that the reason why bourbon's so good from Kentucky is because of the water. But they introduced Toby's parents. I just want to point out, they really, I mean, of course they're going to defend him, whatever, throughout this documentary. But yeah. his dad's name is Punkin. Not Pumpkin, Punkin. So if you want to change the stereotype that people have of your state, don't name your people Punkin, uh, which is uh, it's it's both hillbilly and it's looks like it's spelled incorrectly. Like they misspelled Pumpkin. I don't know what Pumpkin is. I've never seen this before in my life. Have you ever yeah, seen I, a name uh, like that before? Pumpkin? I, I've seen some interesting ones. That's for sure. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, I, I feel like, it's real easy to pick on somebody else's name, but uh, I mean, ninety-eight percent of the time they don't choose it. That's true. You know, I'm just if, well. If, if you think about my last name, I've I've caught I've caught enough flack in my life that I will never mock somebody for the name they were given at birth. That's true. They, they don't have the opportunity to say, "Hey, uh, that's some horse shit." Well, now, if it's a nickname, now if it's a nickname, yeah, it's different. I mean, and well, I guess that's and that even in that case, you don't choose your nickname. I guess it yeah, depends I if you did if you did something stupid or fucked up that earned you a nickname, then you kind of chose it. You had you, you kind of forced their hand. Well, who hasn't done stupid things? The only difference is, is that you know we, so have, we haven't gotten nicknamed. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I've, I've done a few things I could have. I'm sure I have a few nicknames in some, some circles. I, I recall my, I recall a few things that uh, in in our past that have that certainly should have earned us nicknames. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Toby here, as 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 is one to do if they live and grow up in Frankfort, Kentucky, he works at one of the several distilleries in town. He actually worked at Buffalo Trace. Have you ever had Buffalo Trace before? No, um, I'm pretty cheap about my my liquor. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, at a low point, I drank a, a ten dollar like big bottle of whiskey in a plastic bottle. So oh. yeah, I, oh. listen, I, I was 21 and I had the worst hangover of my life. Like I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure it's just rat poison. But yeah, so, any, I mean, anything out of a plastic bottle is, is you're not going to have fun. It's not going to yeah, be that's, a good time. I, I learned my, I learned my lesson, never drink liquor out of a plastic bottle. But I mean, for me, alcohol is alcohol. You know, I, I prefer that it tastes good. 98% of the time, though, if I'm drinking it, I'm trying to punish myself for something I've done. to. My- well, listen, one thing I do want to point out here, just in general, I'm going to go on the record. I'm going to publicly state this. Uh, alcohol tastes bad. Okay. Alcohol does. I don't think alcohol tastes good. I think alcohol tastes bad. It tastes bad on purpose because it's fucking poison. And I, I don't understand. I never understood the culture of like, oh, this vodka tastes great no it burns it burns all it does is it burns even the good stuff even the high-end stuff it still burns it still tastes like you're drinking something you shouldn't be drinking see but but whiskey i i love the way it burns as it goes down that's i mean i I know you're saying oh i hate the burn i hate the burn i love it why it makes you want to puke 
I, I don't. It's not refreshing. I, I it's I not hydrating. From, I don't puke from drinking. You've never puked from drinking. Typically, I don't puke from drinking. Ah, typically, as somebody who has in the past puked from drinking, no, thank you. I, I, I would I would say I could probably count the times I've puked from drinking, and I've been doing it since I was nineteen, and I'm one hundred and eight now. I've probably done about ten times. Oh, I've done I've I've it's been more than that for me for sure. My my, my body refuses to reject it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, you paid for this, you will keep it down. <laughs> You're gonna keep it. We drank this instead of eight. This is dinner. You can't yeah. get rid of this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like we need the we need the calories to function. You can't get rid of this. <laughs> yeah. So, although I will say that watching this this documentary, it did make me want to drink. It did make me like watching all like the different like the pours and the 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 B roll, the slow motion bourbon pour into the glass, and mm. it it did it did make me want a drink. I will be. I'm honest. having a little Jack Daniels right now as we speak. Actually. Okay. Well, there you go. Shout out Jack Daniels. Sponsor us. Not 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 a pay advertisement. Um, but we'd love it if we'd love it if they would. This is Gentleman Jack. Oh, and if you guys like us to sponsor you, no, no, they at, sponsor us. We're not gonna sponsor them. Yeah. If if you would like us to sponsor you, it's at contact us at canceledpodcast at gmail.com. They're not gonna why do you keep saying can't sponsor? We're not gonna sponsor them. They're gonna sponsor us. They don't need us to sponsor them. I I I I guess I don't know how it works. I thought we sponsored them by like promoting them, or we no, promote. No, no, they sponsor us. We promote them on our shit. And they give us money. They sponsor. We're sponsored by. Listen, I want whiskey. I don't care who sends it to us. <laughs> Contact us at the email, and we'll follow up with you. <laughs> oh shit. Well, anyway, so Toby works at Buffalo Trace. I've never had Buffalo Trace. I, I've heard about it before. It's like some of the other bigger podcasts have talked about it. They've, Buffalo Trace has advertised on podcasts before. I've never had the stuff. I heard it tastes good. I know people who has had it, who have had it. They said it tastes good. I haven't had it, so I can't. I don't have an opinion on it. The other distillery involved in this, we'll get to it later, but it's Wild Turkey. Have you ever had Wild Turkey Ooh. before? Oh yeah, I've had some Wild Turkey. Yeah, I've had Wild Turkey as well. We used to do a Wild Turkey Thursday when I was in college. So. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've dabbled my fair share of wild turkey. But Toby says basically this Buffalo Trace distillery where he works, it's very common uh, for employees there to take bottles or even cases of product. Which um, it just encouraged me to switch my career path. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, first of all, they, they would drink on the job. Like there are guys who would like take a swig like at work. And then it wasn't uncommon just to see somebody grab a bottle off of something or grab a case and take it out and put it in the trunk of their car and drive away, including, I guess, Buffalo Trace also made the, the big one in this documentary here is Pappy Van Winkle. Have you ever heard of Pappy Van Winkle before this documentary? No, it, listen, if the most I've paid for whiskey is like 50 bucks a quart. All right. I, 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 I don't understand the purpose of paying that much money for alcohol. Well, I think it's, again, people will say that maybe I don't have a refined enough palate. I guess, you know, it's my opinion. People love, some people like to taste alcohol. I don't, I don't think, I think it's stupid. I mean, listen, I know what you drink it for, but it's not for the taste. I, th- I think a lot of it is just a, a status thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It became, it becomes like a, you know, yeah. it's a rarity thing. It's like a supply and demand. If you can convince people this is rare. I mean, the true value of anything is whatever, or anybody's willing to pay for it. So if somebody's willing to pay a $5,000 for a bottle of liquor, I mean, more power to you, I guess. All, I would all, I'm, saying, all I'm saying is I can get just as drunk off a $30 bottle of whiskey 
as I can off a thousand dollar bottle of whiskey. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah, that's the book. I I have heard of Peppy Van Winkle before this, not in relation to this case or this documentary. Uh, I I know a couple people that were um, they still are like kind of whiskey snobs, bourbon snobs. They're really they're collectors. They've never they don't have it. They don't have a bottle of this stuff because it is harder to come by. It is very expensive. But they've mentioned before about like that's like on their like bucket list bottles like things they, they want to add to their collection or whatever but for five thousand dollars you could it's a down yeah. payment on a fucking car yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like why? you could yeah. you could buy a pretty decent boat for five thousand dollars um <laughs> you know whatever but so aside from working at a distillery and taking the occasional bottle or two home uh toby uh really really uh, lays into here about how much he was in love with his his softball crew, I guess playing softball is a big pastime for them. And I mean, it sounds like it was a whole, like a whole, there's a whole community, like a whole community yeah. surrounding this like softball, softball league so much so that like these guys were taking steroids, you know, aside from making themselves you know, look jacked and look better, uh, and give themselves confidence, but also, I mean, presumably to help them play recreational softball, which is a, a whole nother level of commitment I mean, steroids cause some uh, pretty considerable health problems. Like you know, small balls? Like, yeah, like small balls and rage issues. <laughs> and it <laughs> cause like cardiovascular problems and, you know, whatever, I guess. Whatever's going to help you get that fucking home run in your beer league, I guess. But <laughs> so <laughs> he, Toby ends up meeting this, this lady. She seems nice enough in the documentary named Julie. They get married, have kids. And at one point, at some point here, Julie, like Julie is like, sounds like she's a very motivated person. She's like a realtor. She, I believe she works like she, she works in a gym. She's also very fit. She's like one of those like really buff, buff ladies. And she's like mad or not happy with how much time softball is taking up in their life. And so she basically gives Toby an ultimatum, pick softball or pick me. And uh, I mean, how glowingly he was and fondly he was speaking of the softball league. I'm surprised he picked her over the softball league, but he did. <laughs> well, let, let, let me just say that Julie had two jobs and was also taking care of all the responsibilities of the kids. Right. So she's making more money than he was. Uh huh. She's taking care of the kid, the kids, and she's busy 24 seven. I mean, I, when I was watching this and I've experienced this too, I've been married for a while. It's at a certain point, you have to realize that you have to grow up like you have responsibilities. You can't just keep going out and, you know, mess around with your friends all the time. You gotta, you gotta go home. You gotta take care of your responsibilities, spend time with your wife, spend time with your kids and help out as much as possible. So, I mean, I, I, I completely understand her perspective when I was watching, I was like, it's like, damn dude, get your shit together. Like you're out here taking steroids for the, a, a, a softball, a recreational softball league while your wife is working two jobs and taking your kids all this shit? I mean, come on, man. Well, I mean, listen, hindsight's twenty twenty though. Had he just stuck with softball, maybe their lives would have been better off. He still would have been doing steroids. Still and, steroids. And I'm assuming he's screaming at his wife all the time. <laughs> so anyway, so this makes him, I mean, then he, then he goes into like this downward spiral where the loss of softball in his life just took away all meaning. He becomes extremely unhappy and depressed and just, he just doesn't, he just he just loses himself. Just goes to work and takes care of his family and cooks and goes back to work and you know what kind of what kind, what kind of life is that? So 
he, he that's like his reason his explanation as to how he started getting involved in all this which again i think is just a a thieves way of making themselves feel better but i digress so it all starts the whole this the whole scheming problem starts uh where he has a friend come over to his house to visit and they're drinking some of this pappy and and Toby says like, he's not a big drinker. Like to him, it doesn't make, he doesn't care about what this bottle is or what it stands for, or how much it's worth or whatever. He just drinks it because it's what he gets for free at work. And a friend says, this is really great stuff. I actually have people that would love this. I'll buy it off you. And Toby's like, I'll give it to you for free. It's not a big deal. And the friend ends up paying him a thousand dollars per bottle for a 20 year old, like aged bourbon, which is, that is a, a fuck ton of money thousand dollars bottle listen i i can tell you exactly where i would have stayed as far as how this guy was acting um he kept going bigger and bigger i would have stuck with you know the occasional bottle goes out that nobody notices and you get extra thousand dollars on your paycheck that would have been fine with me i don't it, it, I, I feel like this this whole documentary to me was just a uh, a warning for for to keep people from access because that's exactly what happened. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, like he was saying, so he was making like 15 or $16 an hour at the distillery. That's what he was making. So for him, it was like, I could grab a bottle. Except first it was like just a bottle or two at a time. Cause I can make, you know, a paycheck on a bottle essentially, or, you know, uh, where I'd make it a month. I can get on a couple of bottles. Like, so, so to him, it was like, and what am I hurting? You know, who cares? Everybody's taking bottles. Everybody's taking something from work. I'm just selling mine. Who gives a shit? The first thing, I think he ends up buying, like he ends up buying a few bottles off like the, a guy in the taste testing lab or something and was selling it. And, you know, he said that this gave him like a sense of purpose, essentially. This made him feel good because he was getting people something they wanted. Um, and then, like you said, then it just ramps up and gets out of control. Like him but and the a, way he said it was he was helping people. Yeah, exactly. It's such a bullshit. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You're helping people by getting them alcohol. Yeah, yeah. you can mow their lawn or or help them chop wood or something. You had to you had to steal shit from work. Get out of here yeah, and sell them liquor. But and, and, and listen, then he wasn't helping people. It made him feel important. You know what I mean? That's exactly. that's what all this is. It's him. It's an the entire thing's an ego thing. Because even like the softball stuff, he liked it because him and his team were really good at it because they were fucking doing steroids and, and they're they were slamming the balls and stuff and they're winning championships. It made him feel important. It gave him a sense of purpose, which he didn't get from his employer. Yeah, I, he didn't he, get it from his family for some reason, you know. So he, you know, it just it made him feel like he was a somebody. But like like you said, he he ramped up. Um, him and his boy, like they break into like a, I, don't, I guess it was like a, I don't know if it was like a museum or like a, a no, it was a, uh, I saw that that was a guest shop. Yeah. 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 And they it stole display, display bottles. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, okay. Here's a thought when I saw them do this, okay. They broke in, they grabbed all the display bottles and they booked it. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they're just display bottles and they're not going out, why wouldn't you fill them with cheap Jack Daniels or something like that? Or like, any of the empty bottles you had. Well, I think because the truth of the matter is like, okay, so if, if even, even at this time, like when he's stealing me, selling them for a thousand dollars or whatever, the business, they don't, it's not, it's like it's worth a thousand dollars like retail, but the actual like cost of them for that bottle is nothing. Like they did not spend a thousand dollars to make that bottle of whiskey. If anything, yeah. I, I don't, I don't, the markup is on, on liquor stuff is, is 
as outrageous. I mean, I don't honestly, I don't know if it costs ten dollars to, to manufacture one bottle. I, think, I don't. Maybe I'm talking my ass here, but I don't think it even cost them ten dollars. So, I think what the issue was is that these are like 15, 20 year old bottles of scotch or bottles of bourbon. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So these are in casks mm-hmm. for fifteen or twenty years. They're just storing these. Mm-hmm. So it's more like I'm paying to make it and I'm paying to store it and I'm paying to, you know, then I ship it out to distributors. It's like a long-term investment. Yeah. I guess it's the time is what makes it valuable. The time that has to pass is what makes it. Yeah. Because they even said initially, Patty, you know, this, this bourbon, you know, you buy it for maybe a hundred dollars a bottle tops Mm -hmm. and buy the, you know, when the shit's already going crazy, they're selling it for $4,000 a bottle. I mean, that's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And one part of that, I think we'll, we'll get into it, but I think part of it's because of what happens here with this case. But so in the continuing ramp up here, there's a guy he introduces named Ray. I didn't catch his last name, but apparently Ray is, I don't know if he's, I guess he's a drug user or he's a drunk or something. Like Ray's some kind of addict. He's like a crazy, like unreliable, I'm, unpredictable kind of guy. And I'm, I'm going to go with meth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got a buddy who lives out in Kentucky and he says it's a huge problem out there. Okay. And so Ray ends up like getting some cases from work and bringing them by and dropping them off um, for Toby to sell. And at one point, Ray, it was like 80 cases or something or something like that. It wasn't a yeah, bad it, was, like, it was like Eagle River or something. Yeah, it was like a different, it was a cheaper brand, but it was still like a popular, popular brand. And yeah, so he ended up flipping 80 cases or whatever. So business started booming. Like he says he was like, rubbing elbows with like judges and lawyers and politicians and like the who's who of Frankfort, Kentucky. Yeah. Police, you know, so he was like, get, everybody was getting to know him and he was getting to know everybody else. So that's when he started. Cause he has to, you know, ramp it up. He's got a buddy who works at the wild Turkey distillery and they start stealing and selling barrels of wild Turkey, Which- <laughs> giant barrels. Well, that's just, to me, that seems crazy. Like I, you know, I live in a smaller house, but where the hell would you even put a, a barrel of wild turkey? And so it doesn't go bad. Like, how do you, how, how do you handle a barrel of it? Do you just drink it immediately? Like what's, what's a play? I mean, listen, they made it sound like in the documentary and like the, again, the dramatic reenactments that they have, you know, they made it seem like they just took it to the softball field, the diamond and put it on the back of a truck and just like poured it like you'd pour beer, which how are any of these people alive? If that's, if that's the level at which they're drinking and they're filling up solo cups with straight up bourbon and whiskey and different kind, you know what I mean? Like how, how are you alive? How are you getting, like, how would you even possibly get home? I, I feel <laughs> like this whole documentary was just a story about alcoholism. <laughs> yeah. About highly, highly, high functioning alcoholics living together in a community. <laughs> this which, this- dude, wild Turkey. I hate wild Turkey. Won't drink it. Uh, I haven't had it. So I, mean, I drink it back in college. I haven't had it in so long. Honestly, I can't, I couldn't tell you the difference between what one tastes and what the other tastes. I honestly couldn't. I I've never liked wild Turkey. Yeah. I, I mean, it was okay back then. I, I don't know about now, but well, yes, I mean, listen, obviously Toby's making a lot more money doing this than he was, you know, with his forklift job, whatever he's doing at the distillery, but like all good things, they must come to an end eventually. Uh, and it's discovered like I don't know, by an audit or something or some some bean counter at the yeah. distillery realizes there are 200 bottles missing 
of pappies, which is the high-end stuff. You know, at this point, it becomes like a high-end stuff worth essentially hundreds of thousands of dollars. And Toby in the documentary just like they ask him about this. And Toby's like, I did not take that. I, I didn't do it. I had nothing to do with that theft. I had nothing to do with it. And his logic is he didn't steal the alcohol. He just found a home for it, basically. Yeah, but somebody I mean, else took it and he just he's the middleman. Yeah, but for this, for this theft though, this of these cases, it was 20 cases. He claims not to have any involvement with the theft of these cases whatsoever. He has he says he knows nothing about this, which is important at the, towards the end. So this theft, like these, these bottles, he claims not to have any knowledge of. I mean, obviously, he's probably taking had, had taken more than this one at a time or two at a time or whatever. But this all at once, he says he didn't have nothing to do with this. But, you know, he's like, I, this isn't going to affect my business necessarily. But one thing he, he mentions that nobody anticipated a, quote, media whore sheriff. Uh, to, yeah, it's all the sheriff's fault. Yeah, to be, to be involved. So the, uh, the sheriff here, the media whore sheriff uh, that Toby's referring to, his name is Pat Melton. And they interview Pat Melton, and he he comes across, or at least he communicates that he want he he's in law enforcement, wanted to become a sheriff for very altruistic reasons. He wanted to help people, he wanted to make a difference. Comes from a long line of law enforcement. What was your read on? Did you ever read on Pat Melton? Like, what did you? How did you? Feel? I did. Okay, I did. Okay, so my issue with sheriffs in general is it's an elected position. Yep, it is elected. All right. So basically a sheriff's job is to go out and get a bunch of votes and talk to the people and blow smoke up their ass. And then they get elected and it's based all off the work that other people's are do- other people are doing deputies, you know, whatever else mm-hmm. he's got them out doing the hard work and he's out there blowing smoke up people's ass. Yeah. And I mean, listen, that's, that's how he came across to me as yeah. well. I mean, he's, he, I don't doubt that he had originally gotten law enforcement for maybe for all the right reasons, but you can tell he was definitely like was in it for the glory. Like in my mind, yeah. like he definitely wanted people to pat him on the ass and tell him he's doing a good job. And he wanted people to know he's a big, he's a badass, and he has a gun. He can arrest you. He can fuck your life up. Like he definitely well, I mean, had that air about him. My thought is if, if you're really in it for the law enforcement and you know, to, to make your family proud, why not go get hired somewhere? And the answer is because this guy's majorly overweight. He's probably never actually arrested anybody in his life. That's what his deputies for. Yeah, I don't notice. I don't. I, I would imagine his background was that of law enforcement. I can't imagine getting just some guy getting hired as sheriff just off the street. I mean, I don't know what the rules are in Kentucky, but I don't. Some states you don't have to be a law enforcement officer to become sheriff. In some places, I'm pretty sure you do. But yeah. so I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know what his background was, but. He was a sheriff and he he makes a big thing of it. You know, he he turns into a great big news story, holds a lot of press conferences throughout this entire ordeal. And they say that, you know, it, he knew immediately that it was going to be an internal thing. Like it was definitely somebody from the distillery stole this liquor. And that, I mean, it makes sense for it to be an inside job. Well, yeah. I mean, how, how, how else does it happen? Right. And he says that initially they interviewed over 100 people and nobody squealed. Like nobody, nobody said anything. Nobody would talk. Why do you think that was initially? Well, I mean, I think a lot of it is, I mean, it's like, like you said earlier, it's, it's a culture thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's the law and then there's kind of the good old boy code. Mm-hmm. And the good old boy, boy code is that you don't squeal on people. Yep. Yeah, they do nobody, nobody likes a rat. And that's exactly why they kept it to themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. 
Well, and not to mention, like, because when I was watching this and they got to this point, I was like, well, they did say earlier on that Toby says that everybody took bottles from work. Yeah, like, people exactly. drink at work. People, so it's like you're not gonna tell anybody because I mean, you're gonna be telling on yourself. You're stealing too. Everybody's, you know, everybody's stealing. <laughs> so it's like, you're not gonna say, yeah, I saw somebody take a bottle because they're just gonna point the finger back at you and everybody's gonna get in trouble. So yeah, it's not surprising to me that nobody said anything. Well, but, I mean, exactly. How much? How much did Toby actually take versus how much was just walked off with yeah you know? taken in general right 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 as a collect collectively you know independently collectively yeah uh so there's so that they they get no leads and so toby's like well i'm just gonna keep up with business like it's not gonna hurt my you know it's not gonna hurt my my business here because i have nothing to do with it nobody has any idea that i'm doing anything wrong so i'm just gonna keep it up yeah and i think at this point he was for what it seemed like is he was mainly doing wild turkey barrels I think he could still do bottles once in a while, but I think he was mostly doing the wild turkey stuff. At least that's my that was my take on what was going on. Well, I don't understand why he didn't back off Pappy altogether while this investigation was going on. I mean, to me, like it, once the heat gets on, why continue? What's what's your upswing there? Yeah, I don't know. Like just just you're ahead. Just stop now. Nobody's got anybody. No, nobody has any idea. Nobody's ratting on you because all the people that would rat on you are the people that are stealing it for you. Mm-hmm. Why not just keep your mouth shut and, and stop stealing? Yeah. I don't, I, I maybe he thought he was just too big to fail. Kind of one of those things thought that he knew enough people that it was going to wouldn't touch him or whatever. Even if he got caught, he would be in trouble. I don't know, but he did say in the documentary, he did say, you know, I was rubbing elbows with politicians and sheriffs and judges and lawyers and everybody else. Like I knew even if they caught me, I wasn't going to go to jail. Well, I mean, look, one like one of the co-conspirators here, like one of his was was a cop for like the city yeah. of Frankfurt, I believe. So it's like was one of his friends. So he probably felt pretty connected. Yeah. Uh, they, so then, then the sheriff does offer a ten thousand dollar reward for any information leading to arrest and conviction of whoever stole the twenty cases, which leads us into episode number six, or the second part of the Bourbon King here, and it kicks off with just the absolute media frenzy. I mean, it was like a big, it was like a, it was like a national story because it was the, there's the biggest single bourbon heist in history is what they kept saying. I don't know if it was like a slow news time in our American, American history, but um, this was like, I don't know, 2013 or so, I think. So I don't know what was going on back then, but I'm out for some reason, this became like a gigantic story. Uh, I don't know why, but Toby kept on going though, because it just he just kept up his business because he felt like he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna be touched. So the case goes cold for two years, for two whole years. So Sheriff Big Shit really isn't that fucking good because it took him two years before something shook loose here. And in 2015, an anonymous tip comes into their text line and it gives exact information that Toby is selling stolen bourbon, right? Which to me, with a ten thousand dollar reward, says to me that Toby pissed somebody off or screwed somebody over. Uh huh. That's why they they you know went past the I guess not the thin blue line, whatever whatever color criminals are. The thin, I don't know. That's a good question. They should make their own flag. Everybody else got a flag. You might as well have a flag. Criminal flag. The pirate flag. Would that be considered the criminal flag? The skull and crossbones. That seems a little excessive for thieves. I mean, pirates were thieves. I mean, they were murderers and rapists, but they were also thieves. Well, I don't know. Criminals get back to us. I mean, if you're a career criminal, I mean, get your shit together. Good work. Let's know what kind of flag you'd prefer. 
Um, so they get this tip and this is, so this is, again, this is where you get some like, uh, in my, my, when I was watching this documentary, you get some like good old boy, like backwoods law enforcement here because the detectives for the sheriff's department, they just go out to this guy's property and they go out to like the back of the property. And I don't know, again, I, I'm not, I, I don't fucking know. I'm not an expert, uh, or a lawyer or whatever, but so these detectives just kind of start roaming. Or it sounds like they, they kind of start walking around the property because they see like a shed, but they can't see like what's behind it or what's underneath some tarps. And so they get on the guy's property. They're kind of just strolling around and then they smell bourbon in the air. And that gives them a reason to, I guess, start looking under things and inside of things that were covered up. And that's where they find these barrels, right? My question, yeah, when they were doing this, I was like, do they have a warrant because they're they're going through his property. They're just walking around his back area without any like warning or anything like that. They just kind of just strolled up and were like, hmm, let me check in his uh, shed real quick. Yeah. And they end up finding the barrels. I know like from the pictures, they showed the actual pictures of the barrels, like the crime scene, the crime scene photos or whatever, but they were like kind of just sitting out behind the shed. Um, so I don't know. Because in the document, they say that they, they found these barrels first, and then they went and got a search warrant and executed a search warrant on the property. And that's when they tossed the house and everything. So it's like to me, it's like them finding the barrels gave them what they needed to get the search warrant. But how did you get to the barrels without a search warrant? Unless yeah. they're going to argue plain view, like they saw it from a, you know, a public space as in plain view. But it seemed to me like it, they weren't in plain view. They had to go on the property and like smell them out. And that gave them the reason to look, which well, isn't a reason they, to look. They said but, they were under tarps too. Right, 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 right. And I don't know if I, I know there's a, a, a legal principle called curtilage. You know, your right to privacy is restricted, I believe, to the curtilage around your residence, which is the area directly surrounding your residence. So like you don't have uh, an expectation of privacy like if you have um, like the back, the very back corner of your property, if I can see it from your neighbor's property or see it from the road, uh, that's first of all, it's in plain view, but also like you don't have an expectation of privacy there. Only stuff within your curtilage, which but would be like the cops can't walk around your house and peek through your, your windows to see things that are in the inside to give them a reason to go in. Like that's, that'd be against the fourth amendment is my understanding. Again, not a lawyer. Maybe I'm talking my ass here, but to me, it's, this this is very suspect. As I'm trying to say, this is very yeah, suspect. Questionable the way this went down, very questionable. They do get a warrant. They do get a search warrant. They toss the fucking house, and inside they find obviously they find these barrels that are spray painted. So they can't really tell exactly where these barrels came from, but they they presume that they're stolen barrels. And they also find a fuck ton of guns, and they find uh, Toby's steroids because in addition to selling. Which, Urban, he was also using and selling steroids. I was just gonna say, which it seems like he had a lot of steroids. Yeah, they made us. Yeah, they made it was considerable. It was, they think the one deputy, I think it was a deputy, said like it was substantially more than for personal use. So he was yeah. clearly like supplying steroids as well. So he was uh, selling steroids, uh, stolen alcohol, and whatever else he could probably get his hands on. Yeah, the the one thing I didn't. And I'm just gonna point this out now. It's documentary. They bring in, they bring up the guns. The sheriff brought up like how like, he's got guns, but this guy had guns. Like I would understand. It's, to me, it's not relevant. Like the man, the number of guns he had in his house is irrelevant because he wasn't engaged in, in violence. He wasn't threatening people with them. Uh, you know, he had like silencers and stuff. Again, like he was trying to make it. Seem, he was trying to make it seem like he was a dangerous criminal. But the fact is, if you go down south, even some people up here. 
you go in their house, they're going to have guns everywhere. It's Guns aren't illegal, but he was just trying to make the case that, or make it seem like he was actually a dangerous criminal versus just a middleman. Yeah, I mean, I mean listen, he wasn't, <laughs> like, to me, like, the, the guns are so irrelevant just to bring them up and to show the photos of how many guns he had. Like, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? I'm not, listen, I'm not one of these, like, pro Second Amendment, everybody should be able to have fucking tank and rocket launcher people by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, like, it's, it's, yeah, I know that by the sheriff's, I know why the sheriff's quote unquote, unquote, quote unquote, Toby's world words, media whore sheriff would bring it up, obviously, to make it seem, like you said, more important and a bigger deal than what it actually was. But it's just like, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't add anything to anything. Yeah. Who gives a shit? It's just something he spent his money on. Who cares? So Toby says, like, so they, they, he ends up, they call him, whatever, and they bring him in because they want to talk to him about all this. And he says that the sheriff personally gave him an, made him an offer. That if he gave him info about the missing Pappy bottles, he would make everything else go away. He'd make it all, all everything else go away. And I got, I got to wonder, like, what? I mean, in the back end, I guess, like, based on how this all shakes out, like, you think he would have been better off just to say, okay, yeah, I took the Pappy bottles versus the fucking no. steroids and the cr- organized crime, and so that's what he has to get charged with, with all that shit. It's it's bullshit. Unless you get it in writing, it's bullshit. That's true. I mean, he's just he's just trying to smoke out some information. He, like, I mean, you, you, unless there's a lawyer present and it's in writing, don't sign anything, don't say anything. Mm-hmm. And that's what his wife told him. His wife told him to shut the fuck up, to stop fucking, to stop fucking talking. Yeah, um, and which is what he did, because essentially the cops like they wanted him to rat out like all of his contacts. Like they wanted to know everybody he sold to everybody who was involved in this. And he, he obviously, like I said, he under advice from his wife, his, his wife says, don't do it. So he doesn't say give him anything, but they end up uh, subpoenaing his phone records, get his phone and get his phone records. And like, they get everything. They get all the texts, all the phone calls, everybody involved, like they the whole network essentially. So that's where that's where they get into to put some pressure on everybody. That's where they start getting to his organized crime statute in Kentucky, which I mean, I understand by the letter of the law, maybe this applies to that. But do you do you feel like this was like, I mean, the spirit of the law was to catch this? Or do you think no. that's more for like gangbangers who are committing like acts of violence yeah. and mobsters <laughs> who are killing people? This is for like mob cases and shit, not yeah. for. I mean, it, to, to me, this is just a blown up case of a Walmart employee walking off with nail polish every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's all it is. Yeah. So under this organized crime statute, and this is why it's such a, like a heavy bargaining chip. Well, I, this is probably why they flex this muscle here is because under, under this law in Kentucky, the top guy and the bottom guy get the same sentence for whatever's being charged. So even if the it's bottom really guy sold one bottle of pappies if they can tie him into the organized crime syndicate here then he gets charged with everything else everybody else is getting charged with and he does the same amount of time as everybody else which is a, it's powerful i think it's fucking crazy yeah I mean, from a law enforcement perspective like for the government side yeah that is a great bargaining chip because you're really like hitting the hammer on some of these low guys who are definitely going to turn on the higher up guys but at the same time, like that is, I think that is wildly unfair. <laughs> that is a crazy, crazy yeah. like thing to put somebody through. You know, if, if somebody sold, stole and sold one bottle, they get the same time as this fucking guy who was like running the whole thing. That's crazy. Now, what do you think? Is that, is that well, I mean, you? 
yeah, it's, I mean, imagine you go to a friend's house and they get a good bottle of whiskey and you're like, Hey man, I'll give you 500 bucks for that, which is ridiculous. But let's say you give them any kind of money for that. You're technically part of the, the group now. Uh, well, I, I guess, I guess it would depend if you knew where, how it came, how it came to be. If you're well, just buying a it, bottle. Well, and that's the thing. Like if you're part of this, this whole Rico thing, like, I mean, if you're buying alcohol, like basically that's not sold by the company, you can't really, there's no way to prove that you knew that it was stolen. Yeah. They'd have to it'd be very circumstantial. It'd have to be like, you should have known it was stolen. Who has, who else has 20 bottles of a $2,000? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this guy doesn't live exactly. in a mansion. He's just some good old boy with a good heart. And from Kentucky, how does he have, you know, $25,000 worth of liquor in his cabinet right now. So, so you're looking at, you're looking at, at, you know, 20 years in prison because you, you, you know, you fucking bought a bottle off somebody at a poker game. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. So anyway, in the way like, and this is again, everybody's little catchphrases, but that the way that the, the sheriff and the, his investigators put it is he did, they'd ask these people, do you want to be a teammate or an inmate? And a lot of people chose teammate because they didn't want to go to prison forever. So, and then they also, offered everybody who would agree who would cooperate with them immunity like they offered like basically you come talk to us tell us what you know we'll give you immunity so everybody starts turning on toby i mean everybody all his friends all his softball guys everybody like everybody just gives it all up they say yeah toby this toby that i bought this bottle blah 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 everybody's just giving all information out willy-nilly and the sheriff makes has a huge like announcement this huge it was an international press conference where he announces and he has like the little display of all the Pappy bottles they recovered during this investigation, whatever. He announces that Pappy Gates, which is they refer to it as, uh, was solved. That Toby Kurtzinger was the uh, perpetrator and it was like an organized crime thing, but he was the perpetrator. And one thing I thought was surprising is that Toby's wife got indicted for everything that Toby did. I yeah, mean, that's that's some bullshit. I mean, unless you know she's got phone records and stuff proving that she was helping facilitate all this, that's that's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, it's I, I would I would presume that well, first of all, again, this goes back to like the last episode with uh, the guy's his wife, uh, Brandy, I think her name was uh, in the, um, the the money plane. If, if your your husband, who you know makes like $15, $16 an hour at the distillery Julie. is, well, Julie's for this one, but Brandy was for the other episode. Oh. So like with her, like, you know where this money came from. And so if you, if you spend a dollar of it, then you're, you become complicit. Like if you let him spend, spend this money, you're complicit. So same thing with this one. Like your Julie knows where Toby works. She knows how much money Toby makes. So the fact that he's able to like provide all these things at Christmas and go on, like, I think they went to on vacation to theme parks and stuff. Like obviously he's providing a lifestyle that his, his salary doesn't pay for. Like she has to know this money's come from somewhere. So I don't, I, I, I can't imagine she was oblivious to all of this. Well, I mean, you can cover that up and you can say, Oh, you know, they're giving bonuses now because of how much it's going for, or I get promoted or he, I mean, he could lie to her very easily and she can't back check it what she can do go to the company and say hey did my husband get a bonus did he get promoted i mean it's 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 not provable 
in my well, eyes. I, 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 I feel like in order for them to have charged her with it, well, I don't I guess I shouldn't say because the sheriff, we'll get into it here in a second. The sheriff does funny things here, but for my mind, for them to charge her, she would have had to have at least been complicit. Like she would have had to have been aware of what was going on. She might not have had any involvement like as far as like the actual physical act of it, but she was definitely spending the money. She was definitely taking benefit from the fruits of his labor in order for her to get wrapped up in this whole thing. At least that's my that's my opinion. But well, yeah, she's probably spending it, but she doesn't have to necessarily know where it came from. Yeah, but that but then that makes her part of the this makes her part of it though. That makes her part of I mean, that, that would make her part of it. If your husband is if your loved one, if your if your wife was suddenly bringing home thousands of dollars and you have, I mean, you and it's unaccounted for, you can't account for that money's coming from, you're gonna assume that it's probably not, it's probably ill-got, ill-gotten gain, right? And that's probably how they figured this out. Like, well, she had to have known it was not a legitimate money source. I guess. I mean, because listen, she never outright says, I knew nothing. She makes it, they allude to her being like unaware, but was it more of like a, she was completely unaware or was it a, I don't know what you're doing. I don't want to know what you're doing. Just don't be stupid. And he's like, I'm not going to get caught. I'm, I'm good. I'm safe. I'm being safe. I'm being smart about it. So she might not have known like every move he was making, but come on, dude, she had to have known. I mean, I mean he was already selling steroids and stuff like that. So she had to. Before, it, but that yeah. was before they're even together. He was fucking selling steroids or doing steroids. I, I assume she knew that he was up to some shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah his, listen, their whole like, where do you sample people from the South? Like, come on, that, that only goes so far. All right. Save the fucking, you know, the, the, the innocent, the innocent look and the, oops, you know, poor, poor me. I didn't know what my husband was up to. I hated his ass. I never left him. I never divorced him. I stayed with him the whole time. I'm still with him to this day. A good Christian woman. Yeah. Uh-huh. Stand by your man. And so, uh, she ultimately ends up taking an Alfred, it was called an Alfred, Alfred plea, um, and gets no time, uh, which an Alfred plea, if uh, you're not aware, is a guilty plea where the defendant, I'm reading this off Wikipedia, by the way, whereby a defendant in a criminal case does not admit to the criminal act and asserts innocence, but in, in entering the plea, the defendant admits that the evidence presented by the prosecution would be likely to persuade a judge or jury to find the defendant guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. So basically, she said, I'm not guilty, but I think you can prove I was. <laughs> I'm not saying anything wrong. I just think the evidence shows I was, and I don't think I can prove that I was. I, I think you're going to be able to prove your case. Um, so I, you know, so she has a record, I guess she didn't get any time. She didn't go to prison or anything, which is, is good. I guess Toby ends up pleading guilty and yeah. is sentenced to 15 years. Now he only serves 30 days because I, I couldn't understand what they're saying. Cause the accent are they saying shock probation? Is that what they're saying in this? Did you catch that? I, I didn't catch that. I, I believe it, I, I think it was shock probation now. Okay. Yeah. It's some kind of thing in Kentucky where if you're like a first time nonviolent offender and you know, you meet certain criteria, you're eligible for this. So of his 15 years, he only spent 30 days uh, in actual prison or jail. And what, what is, what is wild here is after he pleads guilty at least oh, in the documentary. Uh, I just looked it up. Shock probation is a U.S. policy by which a but a judge orders a convicted offender to prison for a short time, and then suspends the remainder of the sentence in favor of probation. It is hoped the initial experience of prison will provide an effective deterrent from recidivism. Mm, okay, there you go. Um, so 
and then after, after the documentary, in the documentary, after they describe like how that Toby had pled guilty since 15 years, they just so happened to mention this interview with another worker at Buffalo Trace Distillery that happened during this investigation, uh, a guy named Greg Englin, I believe is his last name. And during his questioning, he seemed a little squirrely. And ultimately, because he was under, um, he was, again, these people were given immunity. They were given complete immunity if they were willing to cooperate. So Mr. Englin here admits to stealing 17 cases of Pappy during the time frame in which the 20 cases went missing. Yikes. So the guy is not charged. Okay. And so, I mean, listen, the way the documentary is laying it out here is that Greg Anglin is the fucking Pappy Gate. Yeah. He, he's the one who stole the shit. And uh, he, got away with it. he got away with it. And Toby went down for it. Now, Toby was obviously doing other things, but he didn't do this. Like, he didn't steal this whiskey. He just yeah. stole this bourbon. Uh, so Greg, fucking Greg Anglin got away with uh, the largest bourbon heist in American history. He's uh, the Pappy Gate killer. He's the, yeah. And, um, you know, they, they make the point in the documentary here, and I don't know, Toby definitely believes this. I, based on the documentary, I guess I believe it too, is that the sheriff, Pat, you know, he just wanted, he wanted so badly for the case to get solved because he, he wanted to be reelected. Like his election was yeah. everything to him. So he needed this to be, a, he needed this, this win. And so he, he pinned all of it on Toby and put it all on Toby, even though his he knew that this other guy, Greg, had admitted under immunity, but had admitted to taking 17 cases of Pappy. I would think if I was Toby or Toby's lawyer, I'd be looking at a fucking appeal because it's like, obviously you knew I didn't fucking take this Pappy shit and you put this all on me. You know what I mean? Well, um, I mean, he got, listen, 30 days in jail and probation for all the shit that he, he had done. Yeah, but he's, he's they can prove just by going to his house. I mean, yeah, come on. But he's a felon, though. That's he's true. I would have challenged. Listen, I would have challenged the search warrant, the initial search warrant. I would have challenged about the fucking bourbon in the backyard, the barrels. I would have challenged that shit. So that would have got all the house stuff thrown out if you if you won that. And then I would challenge this shit. This is this is called the scoopulatory scoopulatory. I think is what it is uh, a scoopulatory evidence, where basically it's evidence that supports the defense that the prosecution hides. Um, yeah, and so. I mean, this is shit that, like, I, I'm, again, I don't know if they hit it or not. Maybe his lawyers were aware of this. I don't fucking like, like you said. Listen, Toby was doing illegal shit. He was selling steroids. He was selling stolen, stolen uh, liquor. So it wasn't like he was a totally innocent person here. Toby was a thief who was stealing, yeah. who was selling stolen shit. But uh, because some every once in a while there is a little justice in the universe, old Sheriff Pat gets his ass whooped in the election and fucking loses. <laughs> He goes through all that and he still loses the election. Well, it's, it's because he obviously was, I mean, that's why I, like I said, I hate the idea of sheriffs because it's just a popularity contest. And in his case, all he did was he threw everything at the guy, at this one guy, even though everybody knew that he let the actual suspect basically off for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that one guy sold 17 cases out of 20. Are you fucking kidding me? That's ridiculous. And, and let's be honest. I mean, more like he probably stole all 20. He just didn't want to come out right out and say, I yeah. am the, I am the Pappy Gate guy. Yeah. Because at first, like they said it, like he first, he's like, ah, oh, maybe a case or two. Okay. Well, maybe like four or five cases. All right. Eight, eight or 10 tops. And then he ends up admitting to 17 cases that he stole. So it's like, obviously, he stole more. He probably stole more than the fucking 20 that were missing. He's probably Here, like Toby stealing shit the entire time. Here's my question. 
how did it take them this long to realize that they were just getting robbed blind by their employees? I mean, come on. Well, I think, and I think the reason why they got caught is because it was too much at once, right? I mean, like they said, employees would take bottles off the line all the time. And I'm sure yeah. they have like a, a certain amount of waste and a certain amount of breakage. And I'm, well, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure they account for a certain amount of loss. And the reality is, like I said, this stuff per bottle costs them very little to manufacture. So if yeah. one bottle goes missing, they're not going to fucking know. I would think that the barrels going missing for a while of turkey would be a little more noticeable because it's a fucking barrel. Oh, that stuff is just disgusting anyway. Nobody buys it. <laughs> so maybe they're just happy to get it out of the warehouse, I guess. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what their quality, their, like their loss prevention strategies were. I'm sure they're heightened now. But yeah, at, the t- at the time, I guess it was pretty simple. Um, and you know, as, as they point out here, because of this heist, uh, because of the popularity of like the, this, the story, uh, the price of, of Pappy, Pappy Van Winkle bourbon is, has skyrocketed afterwards uh, you know in in this documentary they show like early on uh, a picture of pappy on the shelf and it's for sale for like 59.99 or something like that and now if you look it up and we we're talking before we started recording tonight just looking it up and a thousand bucks well yeah i mean there's some bottles like certain aged bottles of forty five hundred five thousand dollars uh which is outrageous i mean that's crazy yeah for a, for a bottle of liquor like you said uh, Dollar Jack will do you. I mean, I'll get you just as drunk. Maybe it won't be as smooth or quote unquote taste as good, I guess. I don't fucking know. But a little Coke on top there. It goes down pretty well. (laughs) Can you you imagine buying a $5,000 bottle of whiskey or bourbon and a little Coke on top of it? (laughs) Mixing it with Coke. (laughs) $5.99 for a 12 pack. Fuck, man. Or you can't, like, you don't have Cokes. You have to, like, run down to the, and they don't have, like, the name brand stuff. So you're buying, like, Shasta, whatever, <laughs> some generic ass cola. Oh, man, the gas my, station my brand cola. My brother's bachelor party. I was, I was just pissed broke. I don't remember what the issue was, but I was like so broke. I bought him like the cheapest bottle of whiskey and Sam's cola as the Coke to mix it with, and everybody refused to drink it except <laughs> me. I was like, I paid for it. I'm going to drink it, and let me tell you, I felt awful. <laughs> it was a mistake. Yeah. So. Um, they never identified the tipster who uh, tipped him off to Curtis or it's Toby, not Curtis, Toby Kurtzlinger. So the, the tipster, they know who they, the, the, the cops know who that is, but they never identify who that is. Somebody he pissed off. I don't, you know, I don't know, but so they leave you. I'm going to ask you the question that, that Toby leaves you with in the, in the documentary here. If you worked at Buffalo Trace Distillery and you could just take two bottles and shove them down the front of your pants and walk out without getting caught, would you do it? Well, first of all, if I shoved a whole bottle down there, people would know I was bluffing. I'd have to steal like a shot glass, maybe two. An airplane bottle? Yeah. Maybe an airplane bottle and I'd get away with it. But uh, I shoved a whole bottle down there. People would be like, listen, we know you're bullshitting. All right, (laughs) turn it in. No, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's that's a tough question. Mm -hmm. Uh, I personally, the way I look at it is, the idea of a steady paycheck is definitely a lot more appealing than a little bit more money now. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah. I mean, the deal, I mean, listen, the, the deal has to be better than what you're currently getting. So yeah, there's yeah. the paycheck, there's the benefits, you know what I mean? There's the paid time off, you know, whatever, whatever your benefits are with your employment. So it's yeah. like, is, is, is the theft going to be a greater return than that? 
You know what I mean? And then obviously if you get caught, it's a problem. Then you have a hard time finding another job, whatever, but you know, it damages the old resume. So I, I understand like the human, like the, there, there is like a part of you that says like, maybe, I mean, cause it is, I mean, listen, for like right now today, $5,000 a bottle, just two bottles walk right 10 grand. I mean, that's fucking good. I mean, that's yeah, a lot of money. The impulse is there. Definitely. Especially if the, the company itself, like they're not going to know it's gone. I, clearly they don't know that two bottles are missing. Yeah. Cause they I mean, they're getting stolen from like crazy. So like they wouldn't even know they, they won't, they don't feel it. Like, it doesn't actually hurt them. Now it does. Morally speaking, it's wrong. So again, I'm not trying to encourage people to do it. I'm so I understand the question. I I get from a human, and like you said, the impulse perspective. I get it. I just I I don't care about the morals personally. I just think about the long term benefits of, you know, and like you said, you're not you're not going to sell ten thousand dollars worth of liquor for ten thousand dollars. No, you can get until five or six thousand, maybe. Yeah. And, and then you get the, the added bonus of worrying if you're going to lose your job, if you're going to lose your benefits, if your family's going to suffer because you made a short-sighted, stupid decision. Mm-hmm. Not worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I would be tempted, but I don't, think, I don't think I would do it for two bottles. I don't, I don't think it'd be worth it to me personally, but everybody makes their own decisions. So, uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, ge- generally, what did you think of uh, the Bourbon King here? I thought episodes? it was the most boring of the uh, three uh, stories involved mm-hmm. in heist. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, it, to me, it was like they could have just as easily done a Walmart worker stealing <laughs> nail polish or whatever else and sell it to their friends for four bucks. It's, I mean, it was, it was sort of interesting, but like not as good as the other two, not even close. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, this one, Again, it's two episodes. Each episode is about 40, 45 minutes. This is one they could have for sure done in one 45-minute episode. They could have done it in 30, 30 minutes. Yeah, this could have been like a one-episode, 30-minute kind of thing probably. They really stretched it. Uh, I think the only reason why they even did this is because, number one, it got huge media coverage back when it happened. And the dollar amount you're talking about here. Uh, you know, I what I didn't – like in, in the previous ones, even in like this, the, the money playing episode like with, with Carl's, who was the main guy in that one, you know, they painted him as like, well, I just wanted to take money for adoption. I'm not a bad guy, but he stole seven point whatever million dollars. Yeah. So in that one, it's like, you know, I, I don't, maybe not so much in that one, but in this one for sure, like they really tried to paint Toby. Just like, I'm, I'm just a simple Southern man who's trying to take care of his family. And I, was, I wasn't doing anything nobody else wouldn't do. Yeah, Toby's I'm, full of shit. Listen, Toby, Toby's full of shit. Toby's full of shit. Toby is a thief. Toby was selling illegal steroids. He was taking steroids to make himself fucking play backyard softball better and make himself look. I mean, it's just, come on, get fucking real. All right. Like Toby, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm not saying he's a terrible human. He's a fucking probably a nice guy who made terrible decisions, but come on, let's, let's get real here. Toby's not just some simpleton who got caught up in it. Like his, yeah. keep in mind, the whole reason why he did this shit to begin with is because he was feeling unsatisfied with his life because he couldn't fucking play softball anymore with his friends. What a yeah, man, what a fucking man child. Yeah. That's, that's some bad choices. Yeah. What you're going to, you're going to go into like a whole like, midlife crisis because you can't play you know softball with your boys uh, to me it's just like what a pathetic excuse but again everybody's different everybody has their own journey whatever everybody's got their own struggles things different for everybody but i mean if that's where your whole identity comes from is how many fucking dingers you're hitting with your with, with your friends in some beer league uh, i i don't i don't tell you and, man. and okay let's be honest if you're using steroids you're cheating anyway like come on 
Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, me, like if, if I'm using steroids and I hit a home run, I'm, I'm not even going to be that excited about it. I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's like using a cheat code in a video game or something like that. It's, yeah, I beat the video game, but, well, I had God mode on the whole time. What's the point? Mm-hmm. Why, why are you even doing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you want to get there by your own sweat and toil. If you're, if you're using cheats, it doesn't, it's, it's not as satisfying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, yeah, of the three, this was definitely my least favorite. I think uh, I don't even know the order to put them in. I think I think the money plane. Yeah, that was number one. Sex, yeah, sex magic, whatever two. was two, and this was definitely number three. This was like a, yeah. a, a distant third in my mind. Yeah, this this one they could have. I mean, they could have done without it. I mean, like you said, they, the reason they they brought it up is because it had so much national coverage back then. But mm-hmm. it it wasn't that interesting of a case. There was no there's no subterfuge. There's nothing behind it. It was just mm-hmm. some guy was looking to make some money by stealing from his employee, which like I said, it's the only difference is that the bottles went for a thousand dollars a bottle versus $30 a bottle. Right. 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 Um, yeah. He didn't even, they didn't like steal the stuff in a clever way. Like they just like walk in and, and took it. Took it. Yeah. You know what I mean, like they just like, we went to the loading dock with this, you know, and just fucking threw it in the back of his pickup truck and drove away. Like it wasn't even like, there's no plan involved. Yeah, it was just like, hey, I got this barrel for you. Okay, cool. I'll come by and pick it up. Great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, so some, I, that's some that's some low rent criminalism right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So whatever, man. So I on a, on our scale from one to six beers, so maybe I should say one to six cocktails for this episode. Uh, how many drinks would you need to watch this one again? Six. I was extremely bored by the end. I was like, this isn't okay. really even interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Let me get let me get six shots of Pappy, or I, you don't do them shots. Probably you know a couple fingers at a time, I guess. So let me get six Peppies to sip on uh, over the course of this, because yeah, I I, I wouldn't want to watch this again. I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. Of the of the three stories, this was this was my least favorite. It's just the other two were so much better than this one was that it it didn't resonate with me at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, so that wraps up our our coverage of Netflix's docu series Heist. Make sure you check out if you haven't already. Check out the previous two episodes so you can hear what those episodes were about. Uh, as always, make sure you guys subscribe, rate, and review. Share this shit with your friends. Uh, it means a lot. We uh, keep sending the feedback. Workers, ex lovers, I don't care. Yeah, keep keep sending in the feedback too. Uh, people are sending us emails, recommendations. If we want to hear your recommendations, like what do you guys want to, what do you want us to watch, what do you want us to talk about? If you have any suggestions, keep them coming. We got some good ones on the calendar here. Like I said before, we got some guests that we're lining up here. We're really excited about. I uh, got some good documentaries on the on the on the uh, schedule. So yeah, we're rocking and rolling here. Just keep keep uh, spreading the good word and. Uh, you know, just be happy that you're in on this early because you are <laughs> you're on the ground. You're on the ground floor. So be, be excited. There's no, you're on the bandwagon before the bandwagon was even built. Look at it that way. So we appreciate it though. I'm special. Okay. I'm Matt. We'll see you guys next time.